I have a conflicted love affair with that song. It's a good song. But if you heard the words, it's pretty convicting. Amen? Pretty convicting. Judgment under every steeple. And you just don't know how true that, unfortunately, how true that is. Well, I told you tonight we wanted to talk about celebrating a little bit of heaven here on this earth. Well, let me start telling you. I didn't get Judy's permission, but since it was my story as well as her story, I think we can tell the story. Um, His name was Roy. And um, Roy was her daddy. And um, one one Christmas, it probably was the Christmas of 1975, because in 76 we've been married. I don't think it was 74. I think it was 76. And so in 1975, Christmas of that year, um, my mom must have been somewhere because I wasn't home with her and my family. And my dad was already passed away by that time. He had died the year before. And uh, so I stayed at the house there with Judy, and we, we celebrated Christmas together. And, uh, well, with, with her mom and dad. And I'm not sure where your mom was, to be honest with you, that day. But anyway, so Judy and I were sitting there, two little lovebirds, you know. And, you know, it's, oh, it's ooey-gooey. And, and I, was hoping, I think that's probably the year I got you those boots. I bought her the, the ugliest boots you've ever seen. Of course, it was the, granted, it was the 70s, okay? But they were like this tall, you know, had brown and had a little fringe on them and stuff, like a little motorcycle rider. But anyway, and so I, that might be the year I gave those. I don't know. They, I thought they were cool at the time. But anyway, so we're opening presents, and um, Roy walks into the room, and there's the little Christmas tree and all that's going on. Can you get the picture? You know, it's a little tender moment for us. And he said something to the effect of, you, are, you need to hurry up and get that done so we can clean this house up. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I went, you know, and, you know, he was just a, it was just a chilling thing. It really was. It was just ugly, ugly. And, and so you might say, you know, kind of say, uh, you know, and you might say, well, well, Roy needs to get life. Probably so. (laughs) And Roy needs to get saved. He was a deacon at a church. Roy needs to read his Bible. He did every day. And yet Roy hated his wife. He would not speak to her. He had his own little bedroom in the back he had built on and totally ignored his family and his wife. But he was a deacon. He went to church every time the doors were open. And yet he could not celebrate Christmas. He could not love his wife. He could not celebrate life. And you know, that's sad, isn't it? Isn't that sad? It really is. But you know what? I honestly believe that, that the church wrestles with celebration. I really think we do. I said something, I think it was last week, I think I said it. If not, it was, it was the week that we did the empty tomb. And I talked about, you know, the reason that we have church on Sunday is because the early church recognized the significance of that Sunday morning, not any Sunday morning, but that Sunday morning when they went to the tomb and the tomb was empty and the church chose to break with tradition, which was worshiping on Saturday and then turned around and started worshiping on Sunday because they recognized the, the need to celebrate the resurrection. And I really meant it when I said that day. Every time we walk into these doors, whether it's Sunday night or Sunday morning or whether it's Wednesday night, it is a celebration of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to learn how to celebrate. I, I opened my Bibles. We're going to John 12, by the way. Now, this is all introduction stuff. But I, I, I turned to Psalm 100 and read, read these words. Make a joyful Shout a joyful noise to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. 
We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. It's about time we preach this. It's been a long time, and this is rich. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. If one thing that the Jewish people knew how to do, it was to worship God. And yet we have this intimacy with God that they could never know because of Jesus Christ. And yet I really feel like we wrestle with celebration. We wrestle with gathering as a people of God and celebrating all that he has done for us. And I really don't have an answer why. But maybe tonight we'll glean just a little bit of insight. Because the last thing, the last thing you want to know. Now, I really believe Roy's in heaven. Okay, God probably shook his finger at him when he got there. I said, Roy, we need to talk. <laughs> you know, we need to talk, son. But I really believe Roy's in heaven. And maybe today in heaven he's learned how to celebrate. But we don't want to be a type of Roy that doesn't know how to be uh, celebrate Christ and celebrate life. And we don't want to be a church that celebrates like Roy did because Roy couldn't celebrate. So we're going to go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, one of my favorite scriptures uh, in the Bible, one of the great stories of the Bible. In fact, you know, if, if you think about it, John 11, 12, uh, 13, and 14 are just pivotal. It all happens hours, days before the cross. You don't really get that because it seems to be so early in John, but it all happens right there. And it is so powerful. And this, this is a celebration that takes place uh, in, in the life of Jesus and in the life of those who followed him. And I want to show you tonight that just like they had reason to celebrate, we have reason to celebrate. And then hopefully that will carry over to each time we gather together that we'll remember the reasons that we have to celebrate. So the Bible says in verse number 1 and verse number 2 of John chapter 12, then six days before the Passover. Well, there's the time. There's the time. Now, it's not six days before a Passover. It is six days before the Passover. It is six days before Jesus Christ is going to serve the Lord's Supper on Thursday night. It's six or seven days before he's going to die on a cross and seven, eight, nine days before he is going to resurrect from the dead. So the timing here is crucial. And keep in mind that Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. Uh, because he was the son of God, he, he was not oblivious to the future that he had. We know that in the garden. We heard him pray, uh, not my will, but thy will be done. He wrestled with, with that and the physical pain and the wrath of God and being separated from his father. He wrestled with all that. And so it all happens right here now. But what has happened not too long ago, matter of fact, very recently, was a pivotal thing. And that was the resurrection of Lazarus from the grave. So the Bible says there again, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Now, and in the Mark account, which is Mark chapter 14, and the Matthew account, which is Matthew 26, we learn a very important detail. We know that Jesus went to Bethany. We got that part. But the Bible says in the other two parallel gospels, it says that he stayed at the house of Simon the leper. Simon the leper. Now, it's really important to understand. Now, he wasn't a leper now. Because if he'd have been a leper, he could not have been around. He'd been a leper colony. He'd been totally ostracized from his family. He'd be ostracized from the community. And he would continue to be ostracized from the, from the, from the synagogue. But the Bible says that we have a man named Simon who somewhere along the way had met Jesus. And Jesus had taken him from being the walking dead to life. And Jesus had taken him from a situation of hopelessness and gave him hope. 
And I propose you today that one of the reasons why, I, I don't, again, this is one of those things we've been hypothetical, and I, I want to be care, clear, care, careful if I do that tonight to let you know it's me, it's not the Bible speaking. But I can just hear, you know, you know, perhaps, you know, Martha picks up the phone. She'll be the organizer and says, you know, hey, Simon, we're, we're having a party and we'd like for you to come. He goes, I'll go you one better. He goes, why don't we have the party at my house? You know why I really believe why Jesus had, Jesus went to the house of Simon? You don't know why I think Martha and Mary it was not their house, but why they ended up at the house of Simon? Because Simon knew how to celebrate. Because Simon was a man who was filled with hopelessness. A man who was destined for death. And yet Jesus set him free. And he wanted to say thank you to Jesus. Now you understand that each one of us, how do you understand that each one of us were in a situation of hopelessness? See, can I be very candid with you tonight? How did you sit there and hear those words I just spoke about a man who was destined to die the deaths of deaths? And one day met Jesus and has a part. How can we sit there and not be moved by that? Do you understand that you were that hopeless man? Do you understand that you were that hopeless woman? Do you understand spiritually you were that way? And Jesus, just like Jesus reached into the life of Simon and, and healed him, not because he deserved it, because there are a lot of lepers that didn't get healed. Just that Jesus chose to reach down and touch that man's life and relieve him from that terrible, awful disease. In the same way, Jesus reached down and reached into our lives and set us from hopelessness to hope, from darkness into light, from death into life. That's what Jesus has done for us. And I don't think Simon could do anything. He didn't want praise and glory. He didn't, he didn't put, you know, he didn't put in the bulletin, you know, um, the party tonight for, jo, for, uh, for Jesus is hosted by Simon. You know, just like we put plates on pews. This pew was bought by so-and-so. We bought the chandeliers. We bought the speakers. He didn't want any of that. He was a behind-the-scenes guy who simply said, I want to say thank you, Jesus. And one way I can say thank you is coming to my house and hosting a party. Simon had reason to celebrate and Simon knew how to celebrate. What would it take for you to celebrate? What would it take? What would God have to do in your life to put you in party mode? What, what would it cause, you know, what would God have to do to get in your life and make you so ecstatically silly over the fact that Jesus is your Savior? Because that's what we ought to be. That's what we ought to be. You know, we got the guy back here with the blue Cubs jacket on. Cubs haven't won a series in 1825. And yet he's still passionately a Cubs fan. What do we have to do? What does God have to do for us to be passionate about him and go, man, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for that. So we have a guy who was a leper and he was hopeless and God reached down. Jesus reached down to his life and took that leprosy away. He was a former leper because he's, he met Jesus and Jesus spends time at his house. And then the Bible says this. It was where Jesus was, I'm sorry, where Lazarus was, who had been dead whom he had raised from the dead. So now we've got this guy that had leprosy, Charlie. Okay, he had leprosy. And he was in a hopeless situation. And again, everything points that Jesus touched his life. I should put it that way. Everything points. The reason he's a former leper is because of Christ. Because again, leprosy was incurable. 
So then we got a guy who was dead. We got a guy, you know the story, John chapter 11. He, he, was, he was really dead. He was like four days dead. He was like, you know, as the King James says, you know, when Jesus said, roll the stone away, he said, Martha said, but Lord, he stinketh. He was stinketh dead. You know, de- de- you know decomposing had set in. He was way dead. And, and Jesus walked in to the situation and stands there and says, roll the stone back. And they roll the stone back. And this man who was physically four days dead comes hopping out of the tomb. Wow. Wow. And, and you know, it was just logical that Lazarus had some... Well, actually, this, this is a two-sided coin. We have to assume that for four days he wasn't hanging around because that's even longer, by the way. The Jews thought the spirit hung around for three days. So we were even beyond the, the grace period for the Jews. The, the fourth day, the spirit was, went somewhere. And so we have to assume that he was in paradise, okay, if you want Abraham's bosom, if you want to use that terminology. All right? We have to assume he had gone. Maybe he wasn't too happy about coming back. <laughs> you know, we heard that in Carmen's song, I think. You know, you're Lazarus, you know. You know hey, well, wait a minute now. I'm, I'm pretty happy here. But you have to really realize and think, wow, God, you gave me life. Now, you might be tempted to say tonight, man, you might say, well, wait a minute. Now, if I was like dead and Jesus like resurrected me, I'd, I'd, I'd be in party mode. He did. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1, you were dead in trespasses and sin and he resurrected you. You were dead in your sin. Come on now. See, y'all just sitting there. You were dead in sin. See, you don't understand what that means. Let me tell you what that means. That means before you met Jesus, you were going to fry in hell. Eternally separated from God. That's what that means. That was your destiny. I don't care how you want to play it out in your mind. You are going to fry in hell for eternity. And Jesus Christ rescued you from that. Now that's reason to celebrate, folks. I don't know if you've ever stuck your finger in a fry daddy before, but it ain't fun. And I've not done the fry daddy, but I've done the baked bean experience. Y'all remember that? And that was one part of my arm and only 400 degrees. I am so... Listen, that's party mode. And we were so dead. We were separated from God. And then one day Jesus you know, reached down to our lives. And because of the cross, He forgave our sins. And because of grace, He forgave our sins. And He made us alive again. That's something to celebrate. So already, already next Sunday we walk in the room. And, and listen, it don't matter if the music's loud. This is not about worship wars. But it doesn't matter if the music's loud or you like the songs or don't like the song. If, this, if your seat's one of those ones with the weird stains on it, you wonder who sat there before. Okay, It doesn't matter all those different things. It doesn't matter. Because already we've got two good reasons to walk in that building and express gratitude. One, if you know Jesus, I was hopeless. Now my life is filled with hope. I was dead... And now I'm alive. Now those, those factors don't change. Come on now. That, that's not going to change. Already when David stands up and wants to sleep and worship next week, you've got two good reasons to worship. You're no longer hopeless and you're no longer dead. How about that? How cool. Reason to celebrate. Reason to celebrate. I'm telling you what. This is probably a bad example. Don't hold it against me. If y'all won a million dollar lottery prize, you couldn't shut up about it for months. But we got something bigger than the lottery. We got Jesus. We got Jesus. So, we got Simon, the former leper, hopeless. We got the dead guy who's no longer dead. He's life. And then the Bible says this. They made him a supper. Now, that's where the idea of celebration comes in. Now, again, 
this was a we would call it a, we would call it a, Tim we would call it a dinner party. Okay, the express purpose of showing up at Simon's house for these people were to give thanks to Jesus for what he had done. It was a party. It was a party. So they decided to have this party, and the Bible says that Martha served. Now, this is huge, too. Y'all remember Martha, right? This is one I want to read. Go over in Luke chapter 10. This is an important one for us. Come on, Luke chapter 10. So we got the hopeless guy, we got the dead guy who's no longer dead, and then we got Martha. Here's the backstory to that. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, by the way, which is Bethany, we know now, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Not Simon's house this time, her house. And she had a sister named Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Get over it, I think he would add there. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So here we see a woman who's, who is in bondage, to duty, to service, or something. I'm not even sure what word I would use. It wasn't that she didn't serve, but she served out of bondage, out of duty, out of a sense of duty. And it fried her. I mean, she got so mad because here's Mary, and she's sitting at the he's, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus worshiping, and she's all fired up in the kitchen. You know, this would be the person who says, I can't believe you don't keep the nursery. I, I keep the nursery, or I, I clean the toilets, or I, I, I do that. That's the person. And then you stand up saying, oh, how I love Jesus. You're not doing those things because you love Jesus. You're batching yourself in some kind of corner. Now, if you think you're earning God's favor what you're doing, but just because you do something doesn't mean you're doing it for the right motivation. And I'm telling you, Martha doesn't have the right motivation in this story. She's in her banging pot. She's mad. She's angry. And Jesus would have said, hey, get over it, man. Get over it. Mary has chosen something beautiful here, and that's to worship me. And I'm not going to take it from her. I'm not going to take it. Now, with that backstory, look at this. And all it says is this. They made him a supper, and Martha served. Is that the same Martha? Don, is that the same Martha? I mean, it's physically the same Martha, but emotionally and spiritually it's the same Martha? No. No. Jesus somehow, and maybe it was this lesson, maybe this was the lesson that did it, but Martha had a heart change. She had a hard change. She still served. She still kept the nursery. She still cleaned toilets. She still did all those things. But she didn't do it out of, out of begrudgingly. She did it lovingly. And see, guys, can I be candid with you again? So much of what we do, we do begrudgingly. It's expected of us. We have to. God says to. And there's no joy. There's no joy. I experienced this. There's no joy. But when we can begin to get a grasp again of what Jesus has done for us, He can set us free and we learn to serve Him with joy. And guys, that changes everything. That changes everything. You know, preaching is a weird thing. I bet worship leading is too, David. 
Can I pick on the worship leader first? Okay. Worship leading is either the easiest thing or the hardest thing you'll ever do. If you're in tune with Jesus Christ, it's easy. If you're in the flesh, it's hard. Preaching. If I spend my time before God, it's not about pride. It's not about performance. It's about God. It's easy. In the flesh, it's horrible. It's horrible. And that is true of everything we do in the church. When it becomes fleshy, it becomes difficult. And when it becomes difficult, we get tired. And when we get tired, we get grouchy. And when we get grouchy, we get ornery. And when we get ornery, we get mean. Can I have an amen? Amen. But when we do it for God and we realize God is for you, I'm doing this for an audience of one. And what he's done for us, then we serve. And we enjoy it. So Martha serves in a total different way than she did before. Now, I'm going to give you a a good piece of advice. And again, you know, I don't run around so much because I'm even older. But if I was down there instead of up here, you would know I'm I'm in the pot with you. You know, we're all frogs trying to jump out. We're on the same pot. Now, listen carefully. When you find yourself bitter about serving, that is such a huge red flag that something's wrong in your life. When you find yourself bitter about serving God, and getting angry about it and what someone else is not doing and what you're doing, that's a big red flag. Be, that's a big warning thing that something's changing your heart. It's not changing for the good. You're probably Martha in the kitchen banging pots instead of Mary at the feet of Jesus or Martha serving with a good heart. It goes a little bit further. And Lazarus was one of them who sat at the table with him. Now, Lazarus was like the guest of honor because, again, he was the one that was resurrected. We have Jesus who did the resurrecting and Lazarus who then had experienced the resurrection. We have those two together. Now, I want you to understand something. Whether you're Simon or Martha or Lazarus or or Mary, it doesn't matter who you are, it's all of us. It's all of us. Each one of us have an obligation to keep our hearts in tune so that we worship God in the way we ought to. Okay, now, now this is when it gets really good. Verse number, all I could write was Mary, tender Mary, in verse number three. Mary's heart was broken. Um, we, we see, you see Mary, you know, in Bethany at the feet of Jesus. She had a very tender heart. And tender-hearted people are great, but tender-hearted people get their heart broke easily. And when, and when Jesus didn't show up, you know, why Mary, you know why Martha, see, Martha was tougher. Martha, when she heard Jesus coming, she ran out. She asked the question, Lord, if you'd been there. You know, it wouldn't have happened. Mary didn't come. Mary had a broken heart. She honestly felt that Jesus had failed her. She felt, you know, God, God let her down. And, and she hated it for Lazarus because tender-hearted people are loving people. And she just hated that her brother was dead. And so finally Martha comes and says, hey, the master's asking for you. Come on out. And she does. And he cries. And he groans in his spirit. And then he resurrects Lazarus. We don't always get to see the resurrection, do we? But we can always trust God. Mary's broken heart was put back together. And she couldn't get over it. She just couldn't get over it, Katie. It's kind of like the girl going 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction when she finally meets Jesus. She just can't get over it. So, so what Mary does is huge. The Bible says, Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikered. 
Now, it was a very expensive perfume. And we're going to see how much in a minute. And she anointed the feet of Jesus. And by the way, one of the other, trans- one of the other gospels says, and his head, and that would be very likely because he'd be reclining at the table and he might anoint the entire body. Anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. You know, I told you this morning, the purest picture we have of heaven might be 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Perhaps this is one of the most beautiful pictures of worship we have. She, she gave her most precious thing to Jesus. And her hair was her glory. And she takes her glory and wipes the body of Jesus with it. That's pure worship. Pure worship. And you know what happens, Mr. Worship Leader, when we have pure worship? The fragrance fills the room. The fragrance fills the room. Have you been to worship services? And it's just, it wasn't emotion. It was just, wow. And sometimes we have really great music, but the wow factor is not there. And the wow factor is that fragrance of God's people just authentically worshiping Him, not for what they can get out of Him, but just because of who He is. And that's what Martha did. She just worships Him in a beautiful, beautiful way. Because her heart was broken, and it wasn't broken anymore. So Simon, hopeless, Lazarus, dead, made alive. Martha, in bondage and set free. And Mary, with a broken heart, and her heart put back together. And I know she got to see a really good outcome. But it was about trusting Jesus, really. is what it's about. And real quick, we only got about eight minutes here, but, but this needs to be talked about. Verses 4 to 6 are, are the, uh, the um, anti... Well, okay, Roy's in here, okay? This is Roy's verse. I hope it's not yours. One of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who betrayed him, now remember we're just days away, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii? Time out. That's about a year's... It's either A, a lifetime's worth of savings or a year's wages. So this was a huge gift. That, that Mary gave. Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? I mean, it's so, doesn't it sound so noble? Come on, doesn't it sound noble? Doesn't it sound spiritual? You know, the one speaks up and says, now wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, why did we waste this? And by the way, whatever you spend on Jesus is never wasted. <laughs> why, why was this wasted? Why, why, why did we not help the poor with this? And it's so cool because, if, if again, the other accounts, the Mark and the Matthew account, here's what happens. The Bible doesn't say just Jews are scared. It said, and some of the others. Now, again, I may be reading between the lines. And if that's, that's true, I want to identify that. I don't want to be guilty of misrepresenting Scripture. But apparently, Judas at least spoke up. And some of the guys went, yeah, that's right. Or Jesus, Judas leaned over and said, can you believe she's doing this? What a waste. My point is this. Be careful who you listen to. I'm sure, and we're not, we do not get the identity of the ones who agreed with Jesus and said, this is a waste. But somehow someone with an impure heart was able to persuade them to get on the wrong side. So be careful who you listen to. Not everything that sounds spiritual is. So, so they said again, 
But why wasn't this sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And then, then we get to own him. We already see the insensitivity of these other guys, but we also see his impure motives. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, because he's a thief and had the money box and used to take what was put in it. Wow. Wow. And see, his impure motives bled over and infected others. Be careful of that. Be careful. I, you know what I think? Have you ever, have you ever like, been in a ball game and you cheered no one else did? You ever something did the wave and you're the only one? And you kind of sit down and go. I wonder if we allow folks to, to crush our celebrative spirit. You know, we don't want to be the only one happy. Isn't that a shame? Be careful of that in worship. Don't, don't, let, don't let the people three doors down affect how you worship. If you're excited about it, someone, someone was sharing with me and said there's just something in them and, and they just have to quench it. Don't quench it. Amen. Let it out. Worship. And we are a free body. If you want to raise your hands, raise your hands. If you want to shout, shout. And if you want to sing somberly, I, t- I told him this morning, I kind of had the feeling I was the only person sitting down. I was doing my God thing and I was sitting down. And I, I kind of glanced over my shoulder and I opened my eyes and I was, y'all were standing and I wasn't. It wasn't because I was being a reverend. I wasn't in the ball game. I was just in my own ball game. You know, do whatever God leads you in authentic worship, worship. Amen. Worship. And don't let others squash you and put you down. You know, Roy, Roy didn't kill my Christmas spirit. <laughs> Although the boots were really a bad choice. <laughs> the boots were really a bad choice. Okay, seven, eight, we're going to go home. Then Jesus said, I love this, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. Here's a real scary thought. If you find yourself to be anti-celebratory, okay, you have a hard time celebrating, I need to tell you, Jesus might be the one looking in the eye and go, leave him alone. Leave him alone. And you don't want to be on the side where Jesus is telling you to leave him alone. You, you want to be on the side where Jesus is going, yeah, worship me. Worship me. Worship me. Leave him alone. For the poor you have always with you. See, he didn't say the poor weren't important. He said, but at that moment, at that point in time, it was more important that he be worshipped than even for the poor to receive that money. It was important that he be worshipped. How cool. How cool. So as God leads us and directs us, let's worship him in the way that he leads us. Now, let me show you how cool this is. In the Mark scripture, again, Mark 14, here's what Jesus says. It's not recorded here in John. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. You know, Jesus was a pretty hard guy to amaze. You ever thought about that? I mean, how many times you read the Bible, Jesus was amazed. He was astounded at the widow's might. He was astounded at the centurion, a Gentile, Gentile's faith. He was astounded at that. Apparently, this act of worship impressed Jesus. He said, I want you to know something. That when this gospel is preached, this lady's story, when people worship, her story needs to be the standard. Total, oblivious, sacrifice, love, and worship and adoration for Jesus Christ.
That's it, God. Now, 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 here's the cool part. That's not from me. That's from God. Now, why is that important? Well, it's biblical. That's a good reason. Um, It's a lot more fun. That's important. But here's the deal. And y'all don't get this. You really don't. That that 100-mile-an-hour girl, you know, she comes in with a miniskirt on. You know, you know what I'm talking about? And, and she comes into worship. Now, we all agree, miniskirts are not very appropriate, period. And my, I'm almost 60, so I'm now the miniskirt thing. Don't be, you know, yeah, I, I got that. But, but she comes in and she's lost. He comes in and he's lost. And, and they just kind of wander in. And they're already uncomfortable because they don't do church, haven't done church since they were seven in Bible school. And they, and they, they sense... They experience. And one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to sense the wonder of worship and the celebration, or they're going to sense a plastic worship. One of the two things. Either they're going to sense, this thing's real. It's frightening. It scares me. I don't understand it. But it's real. Or they're going to sense something, yeah, that's why I don't. It's not real. And you know what? It's an individual thing. See, each one of us, our little neighborhoods and our big worship center and we're neighborhoods here, and you set the tenor of the worship around you. You're a thermostat for the worship around you. And I'm telling you, people can pick up on our worship. So whether it's this or this, whatever it is, let it be authentic and real. Let it be Celebratory. You guys were standing this morning. I was sitting. But we were both celebrating. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads, please. This is huge. It's just huge. You know, is it possible that perhaps the closest we'll get to heaven on earth is when we have celebrative worship? And that's that's not fast and loud. That's just this wonder of God. Just the wonder of God. Is it the best chance to taste heaven when we're worshiping authentically? I think so. I think so. I think when we remember how hopeless we were like Simon, how dead we were like Lazarus, how how much bondage we were in like Martha, and how broken we were like Mary. And we're no longer that way. And we worship. That might be the closest we get heaven on earth. God, thank you so much for your word tonight. I think, Father, my prayers as our, as the under-shepherd, the pastor tonight, Father, help us to grasp the significance of this teaching. Please don't let us just push it off. It's huge. It's huge because you're worthy of our authentic worship. You're worthy of a celebration every time we gather together. And you're worthy. You're worthy of our praise. So Lord, remind us. Remind us of the time we were hopeless. Remind us of the time we were dead. Remind us of the time we were in bondage. Remind us of the time we were broken hearted. And you put us back together. 
and then help us to celebrate. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen.